I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Welcome to this podcast of The People's Pharmacy. You can find previous podcasts and more information on a range of health topics at peoplespharmacy.com. There's nothing like a slice of cherry pie and a cup of coffee to end a meal. Do tart cherries also have healing properties? This is The People's Pharmacy with Terry and Joe Graydon. Montmorency cherries are the same kind you would put in pie. They've also been studied for their ability to fight inflammation and help athletes recover more quickly. What is it about cherries that speeds muscle healing? What other health benefits do cherries offer us? Can cherries also aid attention, alertness, and cognition? What's the right dose? Coming up on The People's Pharmacy, we'll talk with two of the world's foremost exercise physiologists about the health benefits of tart cherries. In the People's Pharmacy Health Headlines, a medical mystery has doctors and parents worried. Young children in the U.S., Europe, and Israel have been developing hepatitis for no obvious reason. A number of these kids have required liver transplants. Pediatricians and infectious disease experts are at a loss to explain the cause of the liver disease. One hypothesis is that an adenovirus 41 is the culprit. Some children have also tested positive for COVID-19, but to date there's no obvious cause and effect relationship. The European Office of the World Health Organization wrote that this should be taken seriously. The increase is unexpected and the usual causes have been excluded. Parents and healthcare providers should be alert for any symptoms of hepatitis. These include yellow eyes and skin, nausea and vomiting, stomach pain, and diarrhea. Such warning signs should trigger a prompt blood test for liver enzyme levels. Physicians treating patients for COVID-19 should be extra vigilant for drug-drug interactions. That's the conclusion of a new study from Italy. The researchers reviewed studies involving nearly 1,300 patients. There were 115 interactions that led to adverse events. Antiviral medications were especially problematic. The COVID-19 drug Paxlovid was likely to lead to serious drug interaction complications. Hydroxychloroquine drug interactions led to a number of cases of irregular heart rhythms and several deaths. There were also instances of psychiatric disorders. The authors conclude that even in a critical emergency, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, possible drug-drug interactions should never be ignored when choosing the most effective and safest therapy. In the early months of the COVID-19 pandemic, physicians were desperate to discover effective treatment options. Emergency departments and intensive care units were flooded with patients who were having trouble breathing. Many were not getting adequate amounts of oxygen throughout their bodies. One emergency strategy that was employed involved placing these patients in a prone position on their stomachs instead of on their backs. A new study published in JAMA Internal Medicine suggests, however, that this strategy was not beneficial. Indeed, it may have made matters worse. These results underscore the importance of conducting research on new interventions before widespread adoption. 
Acetaminophen is generally thought of as an extremely safe drug. The brand name most people recognize is Tylenol. Unlike other over-the-counter pain relievers, it does not generally cause digestive upset. In high doses, however, acetaminophen can cause liver toxicity. Canadian regulators changed the labeling of this drug in October of 2009 and again in September of 2016. The goal was to clarify the risks of overdose and make it easier to use the product safely. Canadian researchers evaluated hospital admissions related to acetaminophen toxicity between 2014 and 2020. They were checking whether the labeling changes reduced accidental overdose of this pain reliever. Unfortunately, the rates of hospitalization for accidental acetaminophen poisoning were unchanged between 2004 and 2020. The authors suggest that since labeling does not seem to have made any difference, regulators might want to take stronger steps such as limiting the unit dose to no more than 325 milligrams of acetaminophen or requiring a prescription for this pain reliever. It's tick season, and researchers warn that once rare diseases are becoming more common. Scientists in upstate New York have noticed an increase in anaplasmosis and babesiosis. Both diseases are caused by tick-borne pathogens. Deer tick virus, also known as Powassan virus, is on the rise. Entomologists have also noted the spread of the Asian long-horned tick in Connecticut. Mild winters mean more ticks. They also allow for southern ticks to move into northern states. Bites from a lone star tick can lead to a potentially life-threatening allergy to mammalian meat. Prevention is always the best strategy. Using repellent on shoes, socks, and pants can discourage ticks. Tucking pants into socks and wearing gaiters coated with permethrin can also help. And that's the health news from the People's Pharmacy this week. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The Food and Drug Administration discourages food growers and manufacturers from promoting the health benefits of simple products like walnuts, pomegranates, and cherries. The agency has gone after a walnut growers cooperative. The growers claimed on the co-op's website, every time you munch a few walnuts, you're doing your body a big favor. As a result, the FDA decided that the growers were promoting an unapproved new drug and the walnuts were misbranded because they did not have proper labeling for a medication. It also challenged a company selling cherry juice because of unauthorized health claims. But what if scientists do studies and find actual health benefits? That's exactly what's happened with tart cherries. To learn more about cherry research, we turn to Dr. Malachi McHugh. He's director of research at the Nicholas Institute of Sports Medicine and Athletic Trauma at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City. He leads a multidisciplinary research team, including orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists, exercise physiologists, nutritionists, medical engineers, and athletic trainers. Welcome back to the People's Pharmacy, Dr. Malachi McHugh. Ah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. McHugh, you are an exercise physiologist, a very hard scientist. That is to say, you, you run a whole team. You've got 
orthopedic surgeons, you've got medical engineers, you've got athletic trainers on the team. How in the world did you get interested in tart cherries? Uh, that's a good question. Uh I did a lot of work in uh, muscle recovery, exercise recovery, or I'm doing, continuing to do that work. And many years ago, around 2006, someone that was developing a cherry juice drink called me because he thought it would be helpful for exercise recovery, arthritis, and I was very skeptical. But I said, well, let's do a study on it. And um, with a colleague of mine, Declan Connolly, in the University of Vermont, we did a study, and that was in 2006. And the two of us were the most surprised people that uh, it actually showed efficacy in, in reducing exercise-induced muscle damage. And um, since that, there's been oh, a ton of literature, we a ton of research on cherry juice and exercise recovery and in various aspects of health and wellness. Well, you're talking about exercise recovery. You recently wrote a review about pre-covery instead of recovery. Can you explain that, please? Yeah. So uh, the word pre-covery, I have to give credit where it's due. And it was a, a, a guy called John Davy that developed the, the cherry juice that we did the first research on. Uh, he referred to it as pre-covery. And what is meant by that is when we think of recovery, you go and do something, then you say, oh, I'm going to be feeling terrible tomorrow or I'm already feeling bad. I got to do something to get in an ice bath, you get a massage, you do different things. Uh, well, for cherry juice and for some other recovery modalities, it's better to actually do the things in the days before your exercise. And I refer to the exercise as an exercise insult, an insult to your body. So if you want to reduce that insult to your body, do some things on the days preceding the actual exercise insult, and that might be beneficial for reducing the insult on your body, and that's exactly what cherry juice does. Well, tell us a little bit more about that, please, because I have to tell you that my tennis buddies will often take vitamin I before they play. And of course, what I mean by that is ibuprofen. <laughs> and so they're loading up on ibuprofen before the match. And then, of course, after the match, they're probably soaking those sore knees with ice and maybe taking a little bit more ibuprofen. You're sort of suggesting that, well, maybe cherry juice instead of ibuprofen before a match? G give us some insight on why pre-covery. So you'd be surprised. A lot of times when I talk to people, I say, well, I'm going to depress you. So there's a lot of things that we think that are beneficial that aren't beneficial. So ibuprofen, that will provide some pain relief acutely. Uh, it will not provide any benefit to your muscles after, no matter when, whether you take it several days before or immediately after on the day of the exercise, it will provide some pain relief. It doesn't do much for muscle recovery. Um, other interventions, nutritional and otherwise, don't have too much of a benefit. The icing that you mentioned, icing your knees, that will, will help reduce some soreness in your knees um, acutely. Ice baths and other cryotherapy interventions can be beneficial. That's an area we've done some more recent research in. But the effect of cherry juice 
is to increase your stores, your antioxidant defenses and reduce your systemic inflammation. We think those are two areas and cherries are very effective at doing that if you eat enough of them. And that we think that that is beneficial in exercise recovery, but there's also some aspects of what's going on in your muscle that we don't fully understand. The cherry, consuming cherries in sufficient quantity for several days seems to benefit how your muscle responds to an exercise insult. Do we have any idea what it is in cherries that makes them so helpful? When we did the first study, when I couldn't believe the results of the study, and we did it where the, the juice was developed at Cornell University, and the food, the head of the food science department there was helping us with the study, and she was the author of the study, and I asked her, well, what is it? What's the active ingredient? And she just said, I'm not even going to answer you. I'll just send you a slide. So she sent me a slide, and it had 35 different phytonutrients <laughs> that have either anti-inflammatory or antioxidant effects. And she said, it's probably a combination of all these, and it's probably because there are so many different phytonutrients that have potential beneficial effects. And, and that's probably why cherries and tart cherries are, are, are effective. Well, I'm wondering about performance because, you know, there's, there's been a lot of controversy around the Olympics and whether or not um, some key athletes were using performance enhancing drugs. And now I'm wondering, well, well, wait a minute. Should the Olympic Committee ban cherry juice pre pre-covery? That is to say, should they be testing people for cherry juice in their urine? Does it actually make a difference in terms of ability to perform? It makes a difference in your ability to recover. So where it's beneficial is in sports where you have to go and perform again before you fully recovered. So if you're playing a sport, say basketball, and you're playing on Sunday and you have to play a game again on Tuesday, you will not be fully recovered by the Tuesday. And a lot of tournaments, the Olympics, I think of as a tournament, they tend to be a war of attrition where basically the guys that make it from the start to the end are the ones that have survived and doing anything that helps that survival, that recovery. So I think of cherry juice and different modalities that you would do that have been shown to be effective as crossing your I's and dotting your T's. You're doing every little thing. My colleague, Glenn Howitson, likes to, has a better, a better term for that, that, that it, it's accumulation, the aggregation of factors that might benefit your recovery. And so if you do all the little things that might help you, then you might be better than the, your opponent two days from now. And we are going to talk with Dr. Howitson in just a bit. I am wondering about cherries. You've been talking about tart cherries, I believe. And whenever we write about cherries, we get a lot of questions from listeners and readers who want to know, well, what's the difference between tart cherries and sweet cherries? And does it make any difference? Uh, some people say it does make a difference and the tart cherries are more potent than these phytonutrients that might have antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects. But what got us on the path when I was first asked to 
look into this and do research on it was a study where uh, healthy individuals were just eating a bowl of sweet cherries every day and they ate them for 28 days and they showed changes in systemic markers of antioxidant defenses and anti and inflammatory markers so sweet cherries can have an effect there's been no exercise recoveries on sweet cherries but i've no reason to believe that it wouldn't have some benefit the key thing is and i say this with every recovery intervention that we do whether it's cherry juice or some other physical modality it's dose dose, dose. What is the dose that you need? So in a nutritional intervention, what is the dose that you need to have a medicinal effect? And so the example I like to use is resveratrol, which is an antioxidant that you get in red wine and other other things. And resveratrol, in order to get a medicinal dose of resveratrol, you would probably need to drink somewhere between 100 and 1,000 bottles of red wine a day. So clearly, that's not a practical uh, intervention unless you've got many livers. So... (laughs) The, the the key is, what is the dose and can you get this medicinal effect with an effective dose? So if I have to tell an athlete he has to drink 500 calories of cherry juice a day in order to get some recovery benefit, that's not practical. That's too many calories to be giving an athlete. So uh, in what we do now, it's 100 to 200 calories a day, depending on whether you take 8 fluid ounces or 16 fluid ounces. If you're taking it regularly, 8 fluid ounces, and this is of a fresh cherry juice, that's going to be sufficient from concentrate drinks you need to take more of it but there are fewer calories because it's a diluted product you're listening to dr malachi McHugh. he's been the director of research at the nicholas institute of sports medicine and athletic trauma at lennox hill hospital in new york city since 1999 the multidisciplinary team he leads has conducted research on cherry juice and exercise recovery After the break, we'll find out if cherries can be used to calm inflammation due to arthritis or gout. Are cherries good for cardiovascular health? What's the best way to get your dose of cherries? And what is the right dose? Do cherries have side effects? What about other superfoods like pomegranates or grapes? You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is made possible in part by Cocovia, maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements. Cocovia delivers clinically proven levels of cocoflavanols to promote heart health for the long term with the same ingredients as the Cosmos study, a landmark five-year clinical trial with over 21,000 participants studying cocoflavanols and heart health. Cocovia Cardio Health is available in capsules or powder, providing 500 milligrams of cocoflavanols daily. Celebrate Cosmos, C-O-S-M-O-S, with coupon code 2022 Cosmos 5 for $5 off all cardio health products. Visit cocovia.com to learn more. (music) 
Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia, maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements that support cognitive and cardiovascular health. More information at cocovia.com. Once upon a time, the idea of food as medicine wasn't so strange. Hippocrates expressed this idea thousands of years ago. What have modern scientists discovered specifically about tart cherries? We're talking with Dr. Malachi McHugh. He's been the director of research at the Nicholas Institute of Sports Medicine and Athletic Trauma at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City since 1999. The multidisciplinary research team he leads includes orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists, exercise physiologists, nutritionists, biomechanists, medical engineers, and athletic trainers. They've conducted studies on cherry juice and exercise physiology. Dr. McHugh, you talk about the anti-inflammatory properties of cherries, and I think a lot of the research has been done on Montmorency cherries, tart cherries. And I'm wondering, well, gee, I know of a couple of inflammatory conditions like arthritis or even gout. Would cherries be at all helpful for those problems? So, yes. The straight answer is yes. We can move on. No. So, I'll give you the details. That So, the late Dr. Ralph Schumacher, who was one of the world's expert on gout and also uh, very well researched in osteoarthritis, and he called me when he saw the early cherry juice research and wanted to do a study on gout. And I said, well, I'd rather do a study on arthritis because they're more it's a bigger problem, so to speak. And so we did a study on people with mild to moderate knee arthritis. And we they, you know, went on a period of cherry juice, then a washout period, then a period on placebo or vice versa. And the cherry juice was effective in reducing the symptoms. And also, we were able to connect the reduction in symptoms of arthritis to a reduction in systemic inflammation. So the the juice reduced their systemic inflammation. And the, if your reduction in systemic inflammation was greater than 10%, you had a much greater reduction in symptoms. The interesting thing from a public health perspective, because we always talk about sugary drinks, uh, the placebo was a matched for the sugar content of the cherry juice, and it was basically Kool-Aid. And when they took the placebo, systemic inflammation went up dramatically. And I didn't understand this initially. I thought it was maybe they were taking less medication, but that was not the case. It was the simple fact that when you take sugary drinks, your inflammation goes up. And it matched exactly how that's been shown in the literature. So even though cherry juice contains some sugar, it's, you know, it's fruits and it has an anti-inflammatory effect. But taking sugary drinks, it was, it was highlighted to me is quite, uh, is not good for you. What about gout? Uh, we've heard from a lot of readers that if they're starting to have what they think is a gout attack, 
they start loading up on tart cherries and they seem to think it helps. Any data to support that observation? There, there's some uh, indirect data to support it and um, enough to, to suggest that it is – well. There's enough data. We've we've data that show that uh, uh, after a marathon, uh, people that were drinking cherry juice for five days before running the marathon, they had all sorts of better indices of recovery. But one of the things that they had was reduced uric acid levels. And when you're treating gout, that's what you're trying to do, reduce uric acid levels. So that's some indirect evidence. There's also associations with people having lower, fewer flares if they have more uh, phytonutrients in their diet, and cherries have a lot of the phytonutrients. And anecdotally, how we really got into sports initially, uh, I was presenting to a small group of, I guess we would call them influencers, sports medicine influencers. I was presenting to a group and one part, it was right before lunchtime, and one of the guys was going to leave, and my second slide was gout. So he happened to come back and sat down. He had no interest in what I was going to talk about, exercise recovery and cherry juice. And this is back in 2005 when we were doing our first study. And he had he happened to have gout. So he talked to me afterwards, and I said, yeah, well, I've been told it would be beneficial. So he happened to be the physical therapist for one of the top college football teams in the country. So I told him what it was useful for. So he started taking cherry juice for his gout, and that was 2005. He is still, he's a good friend of mine now. He's still taking cherry juice. He says it's changed how he deals with the disease. It's really been so beneficial for him. But the interesting thing was he called a strength and conditioning coach we got the team on cherry juice that year. They won the national championship. And I think since that, every NCAA national champion in football has been on cherry juice. So it was kind of a, a little anecdote to say, yes, I think it is beneficial for guys. But we don't have a lot of research. Surprisingly not. It's not an area I do research in. And, you know, some someone needs to get out there and do that, you know. Well, let me ask you another question, which may also be an area you haven't done research in, and that is heart health. Do cherries have benefits for cardiovascular conditions? I spoke to a cardiologist two weeks ago about that, and I said, we really got to get something going here. So hopefully in a year's time, I might have something moving on it. But yes, so when I talk about systemic inflammation, the one marker that we typically make in most of the studies is C-reactive protein or high-sensitivity C-reactive protein is the measurement. And that measurement has been shown to be related to heart disease. So we think about when we've elevated cholesterol, we're at increased risk of a heart attack. Well, when you've increased systemic inflammation, you're also at increased risk of a heart attack. And several studies have shown in exercise and non-exercise studies that eating cherries or drinking cherry juice reduces C-reactive protein. So I think there is a definite benefit there. Even though a study has not been done on people with heart disease, there's enough research out there showing if you eat cherries or drink cherry juice, your C-reactive protein decreases. Now, there's lots of studies that show it doesn't decrease it, but that's because healthy people have almost, you know, a very low level of C-reactive protein. So no intervention is going to reduce that. But if you are, you have a condition that ha- that leads to elevated C-reactive protein, eating cherries or drinking cherry juice will reduce, will reduce that. Dr. McHugh, we've heard a lot about drinking tart cherry juice, or 
as you've mentioned, even eating cherries. But you can't get cherries most of the year, fresh cherries. So there are a lot of options like dried cherries, frozen cherries, cherry juice concentrate, plain old cherry juice. And of course, Americans love pills. So I suspect somebody is making you know, cherry juice concentrate pills. What works? What doesn't work? And let's come back to the dose again, if you can uh, tell us, okay, how much should we be drinking? If we are drinking concentrate, how much would it have to be? I mean, give us some practical news we can use. So the first thing is in the exercise recovery literature, there is there, there are only a few studies. Well, actually, there's more that never got published. I've never seen a study on an extract that has, has had a benefit for exercise recovery. So there's two studies using extracts that I cited in the recent review, but I've also seen others that never got published. You know, there were neg- a lot of negative studies don't get published. So then you go, so that's an extract. And I think the farther away you get from the natural food, the potentially less effective the cherries will be. So the next up would be a cherry juice concentrate. Now, obviously, if you've got a concentrate that you can get year-round because it's sitting on the shelves in the stores, one thing I would guard against is that if it's sitting in, uh, in these concentrates, the longer they're sitting on the shelf, especially if they're not chilled, the these phytonutrients break down over time, even in the concentrate. The research most of the research has been done on concentrates and I think I'm just it's I never know the difference between fluid ounces and milliliters, but the in the fresh juice the dose that we recommend for a juice made and it's not it's made from fresh frozen tart cherries. So if you can buy fresh frozen tart cherries, that's fine. That's where the, the fresh juices made from. And, and and Dr. McHugh, to buy them, you'd look in the supermarket for cherries that are intended for baking into a pie. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. And, and you can go online because uh, I was looking up the price of for part of the review to look at the cost difference between tart and sweet cherries. Um, because the reason the juices are made from tart cherries is part because we think they might be more potent, but really it's just le- it's less expensive. To try to make a drink from sweet cherries is pretty expensive. So you were about to tell us the amount? Yeah, so eight fluid ounces a day of a fresh juice made from fresh frozen cherries. And the what I tell people is to look to see what the product says in terms of how many cherries are in it. So you want to get 50 to 100 cherries in your diet. Is essentially what I what we think. So then, if you look, if you've got a from concentrate, you probably need to take. You need to look. So if a from concentrate, if I say you need to get fifty to one hundred cherries, that would be from fresh frozen cherries. So you look at the bottle, and usually they they'll say, oh, equivalent of fifty cherries. Uh, you probably need to double that from a from concentrate because a lot of the phytonutrients have been degraded in making the drink. So I would say 50 to 100 cherries in a, in a serving uh, every day. If it's fresh frozen cherries, if it's from concentrate somewhere in the 100 to 200 range. Now, Dr. McHugh, whenever we talk to someone about an intervention, we always need to ask about the downside. So do tart cherries have side effects? Uh, so in in our arthritis study, 
there were the only side effects, I think one person had an allergy to cherries. But with the tart cherries, some people get a little bit of reflux, but that's only in the first getting used to it. I haven't, no one, and so in our study, I think we had 60 patients in, like, with lots of studies, but in the athlete studies, we haven't had anyone that stopped taking it for any side effect. In the arthritis study, in the 60 patients, no one reported uh, any reflux in that study, but I've heard some people, recent, last week, someone was starting it. They were actually starting it before they were having some orthopedic surgery. They wanted to start it, and they're doing very well afterwards and initially she said she said some reflux and i said well it should not after two days you probably won't you'll get used to drinking the juice and that was in fact the case now of course some people worry about blood glucose in other words they go oh you know there are certain juices like pomegranate juice or grape juice they're high in sugar um it, it might mess up my my blood sugar levels and i'm wondering i mean tart cherries seem to be less sweet than some of those other juices is there a problem for people with diabetes um i i simple answer i don't know but i have not heard of any issues with people with diabetes uh, there is some of the companies that make cherry juices make it with artificial sweetener in it um or no, I don't know how they, there's there's a reduced sugar version of cherry juice that I've seen because w- when we were doing when we finished the arthritis study we were thinking about if we did a guide study we might do the reduced sugar one so it would have same amount of equivalent cherries with reduced sugar we didn't do the study so I'm not positive I'm not sure. Do you know of any medications that interact with cherry juice? That's another thing that people worry about. Um, no, I don't. Yeah, there are some th- some other foods that interact with other medications. I haven't heard of any. Um, but I mean, and there is, you know, cherry juice is being consumed widely enough throughout the world right now that you know possibly something might have come come to light if there were some issues but i haven't heard of any now the ingredients the active ingredients that are in cherries you've mentioned antioxidants we've heard about anthocyanins and i'm wondering about other other products other food-based natural products that might have somewhat similar ingredients so we've been hearing for literally decades that some people get surprising relief from grape juice mixed with serto now you might not be familiar with serto serto is a, a plant pectin that uh, home canners use to make their jellies and jams you know thicker And other people tell us that pomegranate juice can be helpful. So all of these kinds of natural products have a lot of these antioxidants and anthocyanins and I suspect a whole bunch of other uh, anti-inflammatory compounds in them. I'm wondering, you know, is there anything there that you think might be of interest? So there has been a bunch of research on other drinks and other fruits. The key thing that I highlighted earlier is dose, dose, dose. What is the dose that you need to take in order to affect something in your system that might benefit you in some health or wellness or exercise recovery? So the hot thing when we started doing this was the acai berry. Uh, and pomegranate juice was uh, quite popular. Uh, the I haven't seen any good 
research in acai berry. I mean, well, there's a lot of food science stuff showing it has lots of phytonutrients that might be beneficial. But the question is, how much of it do you need to eat? drink to get this benefit with pomegranate juice they have there ha, there have been studies in pomegranate juice trying to replicate the recovery studies and cherry juice and the results have been mixed it's so and it's probably a figuring out how to get the benefits that are in the pomegranate into a food that you can take in a sufficient amount in order to have a benefit for health or recovery uh, we've seen with the cherry juice what that is and it's not you just don't go and make a juice it's quite difficult to make a juice and not destroy these active ingredients and that's probably where we're you know not every juice regardless of whether it's cherry juice or some other product not every juice is the same Uh, just because it's made from the same fruit doesn't mean that in that processing of that drink you haven't destroyed a lot of the active ingredients and that's what we've learned. When we did our marathon study, we were concerned because we did it in London. We shipped the drinks from the U.S. and it had to sit in customs for two hours. And it was in warm weather. And we're saying, is this going to destroy the active ingredients? We were concerned about that because it's not this thing doesn't have a shelf life of forever. Um, it's food. And so we need to understand that it, understand that these things are going to break down over time. Dr. McHugh, we have heard a lot about melatonin for sleep, and I suspect that there are millions of people taking little melatonin pills uh, an hour before bedtime. You've done a little research on cherries and melatonin and sleep. Can you tell us what you learned? Well, we learned how we, what we learned was anecdotally initially. So, the one of the first professional sports teams that we had taking cherry juice, they got back to me and said, "Does this help with sleep?" And I said, "Eh, probably not." But it's, there's there's information out there to say it might help with sleep. So I said, "Why do you ask?" He says, "Well, a lot of our guys take Ambien." And they've stopped taking Ambien and they're asking for cherry juice. And I went, oh, that's interesting. So I called a a sleep researcher in the University of Rochester and we did a study on sleep. And the people were pretty bad impairments in their sleep. And it showed that it had some benefit. And since that, we did another study with university students and showed indices of sleep were improved when you were taking cherry juice. And in that study, it did show that your melatonin levels were increased. Uh, So it might be to do with the melatonin in cherries because cherries do have a lot of melatonin, but it might also be people that have impaired sleep also tend to have elevated systemic inflammation. So that might also be one of the reasons, but there is a uh, good uh, data out there to suggest that cherry juice is beneficial for eating sleep. Dr. McHugh, you hang out with some pretty heavy duty researchers and clinicians. I mean, we're, we're talking about orthopedic surgeons, exercise physiologists, physical therapists, nutritionists, biomechanists, uh, medical engineers, and athletic trainers. And, you know, they, they want science. They, they're, they're hardcore. And if you mention cherry juice, do they, do they look at you askance? Do they go, Oh, what, what's he talking about? How do you convince them that there's actually some science here? 
Uh, well, 15 years ago, they looked a little funny. Well, I looked a little funny at it too, initially. Uh, now they're in the know. They follow the data. We just hired a new physical therapist who is quite active, and he is all over cherry juice. <laughs> and he's got like all his friends. I, basically, he saw the he saw the data. He'd heard about it, and then he saw, oh, this is the place where the research started, and then I showed him the literature, and I told him the story, which is kind of part of why I did this recent review because the actual story behind where this came from is not really it's it's a bunch of research that's out there with people not understanding the background behind it and so i don't have a problem with the colleagues that i work with uh most of our orthopedic surgeons they take it they're all golfers they're all aging and they'll take cherry juice their kids are all up-and-coming athletes they have them on cherry juice so it's 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 become mainstream um, it's understood now. Dr. McHugh, I wonder what would you like our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Um, that eating natural foods are pretty healthy and this is, there's nothing magic about it. And when you hear about a food that might be useful for your health, you need to understand how much of that do I need to take and is that amount actually feasible to do? So for cherries, about 50 to 100 cherries a day, is that feasible? You can buy them and make a smoothie, or you can buy a bottle of cherry juice and drink eight fluid ounces a day. Dr. Malachi McHugh, thank you so much for talking with us on The People's Pharmacy today. Thank you. You've been listening to Dr. Malachi McHugh. He is Director of Research at the Nicholas Institute of Sports Medicine and Athletic Trauma at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City. He leads a multidisciplinary research team, including orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists, exercise physiologists, nutritionists, medical engineers, and athletic trainers. You'll find a link to his research from our website, peoplespharmacy.com. After the break, we turn to a different exercise physiologist who has studied cherries. Dr. Glenn Howitson will describe his recent research on the cognitive effects of tart cherries. What dose did his research utilize? You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is brought to you in part by Kaya Biotics, organic probiotic supplements. These supplements are made in the USA with high-quality, sustainably sourced ingredients. Originally developed in Germany, Kaya Biotics offers three different formulations with 15 carefully selected strains of bacteria. These are designed to increase the diversity of your gut flora and support your immune system. More information at kayabiotics.com. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia, offering plant-based nutrients in the form of cocoflavanols for brain and heart health. Online at cocovia.com. 
polyphenol-rich tart cherries may have some unexpected benefits. We were just talking with Dr. Malachi McHugh about the benefits of these fruits for exercisers. Now we turn to a scientist who's written an article in the British Journal of Nutrition that describes how Montmorency cherries improve sustained attention, feelings of alertness and mental fatigue, and influence the plasma metabolome in middle-aged adults. Professor Glenn Howitson is a fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine and the British Association of Sport and Exercise Sciences. He's on the editorial board for the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports and the European Journal of Sports Sciences. His research interests predominantly lie in the optimization of human performance, where he focuses efforts on understanding the stress recovery adaptation continuum using training and nutritional interventions to manipulate human physiology. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy, Dr. Glenn Howitson. Hi, Terry. Thank you very much for inviting me to come and speak to you guys today. Dr. Howitson, we just talked with your colleague, Dr. Malachi McHugh, about tart cherries, the little powerhouses of health benefits. Now, please tell us about the recently published paper that you authored, British Journal of Nutrition, highly regarded journal. What did you find with regard to tart cherries and cognitive health, and and why in the world did you even start this research? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I I have to say, it's an area that I've, I've stumbled upon, I think, over the years. I'm an exercise physiologist, so I'm really interested in in how I can manipulate people's physiology. And historically, I've done that using training interventions and nutritional interventions. And funny enough, the, the person you've been speaking about, Mal McHugh, um, introduced me to tart cherries a number of years ago. And he said, this, you know, you've got to try these things. These are really great. And, and it ended up in us doing a, a really cool piece of applied research that looked at marathon running and exercise recovery. And uh, I was pretty skeptical, I think, you know, as, as a scientist, you tend to be a little bit, mm, really, these cherries, are they really going to have an effect? Anyway, we did the study and there was some really quite staggering results and, and uh, it, it got me intrigued and we did a whole number of other studies and it got me to learning a little bit more about tart cherries, but also other fruits and vegetables that are rich in polyphenols, which are the, the plant chemicals that contain in very simple terms, you know, the goodies that, that help us be a little bit more healthy. Um, and one of the properties that, uh, or some of the properties that are involved in these polyphenols um, are anti-inflammatory properties, antioxidative properties, but also it can help with um, things like uh, uh, vascular function. So, so we were really intrigued about how the wider impact of, of, of taking tart cherries, particularly over a long period of time, might imp- have implications for, for health and particularly in at-risk populations. So we, we, we took um, a, a number of sort of middle-aged adults which have this predisposition potential to have cardiovascular disease and uh, a whole number of other pathologies. So, so they're a really at-risk population. And we wanted to see if by giving tart cherries to these individuals, whether it might be able to help them improve their uh, their cognitive function. So we used an established set of cognitive battery tests before and after three months supplementation with tart cherries. And what we found is that, that in general terms, this is as, as, a, as a group, that, that feelings of alertness and mental fatigue uh, were actually changed by 
consuming tart cherries over a three-month period. And it, what's interesting is that they have this sort of anti-fatiguing uh, effect. Uh, and we did a kind of an adjunct part to this study. So we wanted to try and understand a little bit more about it. Um, so we took some blood samples from, from our participants and looked at their metabolome, which is essentially gives us a, an idea about how an individual's metabolism might change over time. And there are a few amino acids that seem to change uh, as a result of taking this. And that might also influence um, a, a number of different neurotransmitters within the brain that allow us uh, to potentially have a greater mental alertness, uh, greater resilience to fatigue, particularly from from mental fatigue, uh, which I thought was a really fascinating part. So it seems that, that tart cherries are, are not a one-trick pony, but actually the implications much more widely are, are not just about exercise recovery, but but much more widely around around uh, health and um, and sustaining well-being in, in in human populations, which is really exciting. That is exciting. Now, when we spoke with Dr. McHugh, he said, really, you need to take your cherries ahead of time if you wanted to help with your exercise recovery. Is that also what you found with respect to the cognitive benefits? Yes, certainly. In this study, I mean, it's it's really difficult for me to say uh, more, more widely, but generally speaking, it seems that by taking these things over a longer period of time seems to have a, a, a beneficial effect. And that's interesting in, in so far as that a lot of the goodies that you see in tart cherries and also other fruits and vegetables that contain polyphenols is that the bioavailability of these polyphenols is usually quite transient. So it seems that, that some of these polyphenols may be uptaken by the tissue and, and, and stored, if you like, within, within you know, skeletal muscle or brain tissue, cardiac tissue, and other tissues. Now that hasn't been demonstrated in humans, but it has been demonstrated in mice. So that's quite an exciting, um, an exciting part. And actually, what Mal, Mal was talking about about um, about using it almost as a pre-recovery as opposed to a recovery uh, makes perfect sense because all of the literature points towards using tart cherries over a period of time, knowing full well that you're going to be doing something very strenuous. And being able to deal with that physical strain, that uh, strenuous exercise, and being able to recover much more quickly. Now, we understand that the research that you and your colleagues did on cognitive effects was a placebo-controlled trial. Can you tell us a little bit more about the placebo and how people were, you know, divided into groups and, and so forth? Yeah, so we, we, we had 25 participants in each group and there was uh, equal numbers of males and females in those groups. And, and the placebo that we used is a, a calorific matched uh, placebo. So uh, in this particular case, we used um, a Kool-Aid, a, a, like a cherry Kool-Aid, and it was matched for carbohydrate concentration and, um, and macronutrients very broadly. So they tasted broadly similar, not the same, um, I wouldn't say, uh, but the participants were not aware of uh, what we were doing insofar as they knew that we were looking at a fruit, uh, the effects of a fruit supplementation on on function, uh, cognitive function, but they weren't necessarily aware of exactly what that was. So they were blinded from, from, from that fact, which, which makes it um, you know, reasonably robust. There's been a lot of controversy here in the United States because the Food and Drug Administration recently approved a medication uh, for 
Alzheimer's disease, even though it it didn't show any clinical improvement. Uh, that is to say, all it did was uh, control a biomarker, what we call a surrogate endpoint, uh, which is amyloid. And uh, this drug is pretty darn expensive, tens of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, conceivably over $100,000 a year when you count in all the extras and the possible side effects. I think there are a lot of people who say, well, gee, you know, for a drug that didn't actually do anything, you know, clinically, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that. I'd like to do something to prevent cognitive decline. Maybe I should be taking cherry juice or or cherries on a regular basis and exercising and maybe a little cocoa on the side because there's some studies that also show that cocoa flavanols have some benefit uh, uh, for the brain. So if you were going to come up with a strategy to help people, you know, stay sharp as they get older, what would you suggest? It's a really, it's a really interesting question. And, and I do wonder whether, you know, just as, as consumers, as we all are, we end up looking for the emperor's new clothes, so to speak, and you know, looking for this this next new thing, and and very often the solution is probably right in front of our noses. I find it fascinating that you know, particularly as you get older, you tend to get more inactive, and I think that's an enormous problem. I think for the population globally, and we could probably talk for a very long time about people's physical activity behaviours, you know, the rise in obesity and so on and so forth. It's right in front of us all the time. But what I find really fascinating is that, you know, we don't necessarily engage in some of these things that we know are habitually good for us. So, for example, you know, engaging in light exercise regularly. I mean, it's a, it's a complete no-brainer for me. Why wouldn't you do that? You know, in engaging in a, in, a, in a diet that's, you know, rich in fruit and vegetables. And I think what we probably don't necessarily appreciate is that the accumulative benefits of having exercise as part of your daily life and having a diet which is rich in fruit and vegetables gives you the ability to be able to combat all sorts of long-term pathology. Uh, so cardiovascular disease, for example, uh, cognitive decline are two very, very good examples. So, so I think very often we, we end up looking for for things that, that are perhaps uh, what we might conceive as, as easy routes and by taking a pill that might give you or they might think that it gives you a solution. But in reality, these things are not necessarily as easy as taking a pill. What I would say about tart cherries, and also and not exclusively tart cherries, but what I would say about tart cherries is that there's a reasonable evidence base to suggest that they're, you know, they can have a positive effect. And, and what's interesting about it, at the very least, you'll be increasing your portion of fruit and vegetables at best, you you can improve you know, your cognitive function. You could improve your cardiovascular uh, parameters. So, for example, um, the way in which your blood vessels are operating to deliver the nutrients to, to different parts of your body. So, so there are lots of potential benefits. And, and I don't want to I don't want to just harp on about tart cherries, but I think it's it's a it's a much bigger picture. So, I think it's more about you know, eating fruits and vegetables that are high in these these phenolic acids, these polyphenols, anthocyanins, and flavanols. You mentioned, you know, cocoa is a is a very good example. They're all very similar groups. They're very similar molecules, and they act in very similar ways. They have these anti-inflammatory properties. They have antioxidative properties, and they're known to influence vascular function. All of which can be positive for our health. 
Dr. Howitson, we spent some time talking with Dr. McHugh about the appropriate dose of uh, cherry juice in the studies that he had reviewed. And I'm wondering what dose were the uh, middle-aged people in your study, what dose of cherries were these volunteers consuming? Yes, it's interesting because some of the work that Mao's, just from memory, I think Mao's been using um, fresh pressed cherries, which has been combined with an apple juice. We, we've used in nearly all of our research, we use a, a concentrate. Um, and the dose that we tend to give is, is about 30 mils per dose. And sometimes we give that twice a day. And in this particular treatment, that's what we did. We gave two doses uh, over the course of a day. So 30 mils usually in the morning, 30 mils at night. And that's, that's mixed with about approximately 200 mils of water. So it's kind of like a, a cordial, or like a fruit squash that you, you know, concentrate that you would mix with water. It's very palatable. Um, so about a cup of liquid. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty small, like a tumbler. It's, it's, pre, it's, it's pretty small volumes you're talking about. And it's equated to, because it's a concentrate, it equates to around about 90 cherries. So 30 mils is is quite a hit of cherries. So so the dose to consume 90 cherries in a single sitting, is, I, mean, it's not, I wouldn't call it a marathon session, but it's quite a lot of cherries to take on twice a day. So the concentrate provides you with a, a different solution. And it's more affordable because um, cherry juice is uh, pretty pricey here in the U.S. Yes, it is. Uh, there's no getting away from it. Dr. Howitson, uh, I'm wondering about sleep because we know that sleep is also very important for cognitive function. And there have been some studies that suggest that tart cherry juice may help increase bioavailability of tryptophan, may in increase the, the body's ability to make melatonin. Uh, what's your take on the effect of um, tart cherries on sleep? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the it's, it's not definitive at all, but, the, but there are some sort of provisional data out there, and, and including a study that we did, I think we published in 2012 now, so it's a few years ago, and we examined using a, a tart cherries to, to see how sleep might be manipulated. And that was brought on by, we looked at the chemical report from the chemical breakdown, the content, if you like, of the tart cherries. And we noticed that there was melatonin in there. And we thought, and I was like, oh, melatonin, that's interesting. Well, that's going to help you to sleep, isn't it? Anyway, I spoke to a, a colleague who was a sleep expert and I said, do you think these are in the right sort of concentrations? And he said, well, they're pretty low, but you know, it might be worth a shot. So anyway, we, we thought it would be fun to have a look at this um, in a bit more detail. So we got a, a number of participants to, to volunteer and um, uh, we, we gave them either a placebo or a, or tart cherries. And, and the guys that, that took the cherries had an improvement in their, not only the duration that they slept, but also the quality of the sleep that they had. And actually the sleep quality, not necessarily the duration, is probably the most important thing. How does that work? Well, it's a good question. I think the amount of melatonin, additional melatonin that the cherries might provide is probably pretty small in terms of it providing a physiological benefit. But I think it's probably a, a combination of maybe the melatonin, but also the anti-inflammatory effects that it might have, because we know that the tart cherries can reduce 
interleukin-6, which are uh, instrumental uh, cytokines that are important in the sleep-wake cycle. And if you dampen those IL-6 responses, which is this is often an, an inflammatory response that you get in the body, a natural inflammatory response, then that can increase your propensity to sleep. So when you put the sum of its parts together, then it, it, teleologically it might be possible you know, to, to improve, improve sleep. I think it would be interesting to, to see that work expanded a little bit more um, in the future, but it's a really exciting area. Uh, and what I think is really interesting about sleep generally is that you don't realise how much of an issue sleep is for so many people. It wasn't until that we published that work and it generated some interest in the press that I realised that actually there's there's a lot of people in the in the much wider population that do suffer from sleep disturbance and, and really struggle to sleep. Um, and the great thing about okay, cherries and other interventions that, that might be able to help natural interventions is that, you, you know, you can take something natural that is essentially some fruit and help increase that propensity to be able to sleep a little bit better. And that, that's pretty exciting. Dr. Howitson, what research are you looking forward to most, your laboratory conducting in the next little bit on uh, related topics? So we're really, really interested in, in, in understanding physiological stress and fatigue and how we can recover from that, uh, but also how we, how we might adapt to those physiological stresses. Uh, and we use all sorts of interventions to do that. So we're quite interested in, in looking at these, these fruits and vegetables that are high in polyphenols and how they might be able to manipulate physiological function. And the reason I get excited about, about these sorts of interventions is because they're just essentially fruits and vegetables and, and things that we haven't really discovered the, the untapped potential of, you know, what's lying in our grocery store. Uh, and that's really exciting because that's they're so accessible to everybody these days. Uh, and what's most appealing about it is that you don't have to take pharmacological interventions. Yes, I understand that sometimes that is necessary, but there's loads of side effects that are affected uh, that, that are associated with with pharmacological interventions and if we can use something that is 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 natural is on the shelf in the grocers then for me so much the better you know dr howitson this reminds me of what our mothers and our grandmothers used to say you know eat your your vegetables eat your fruits and oh yeah <laughs> when you get home from school go out and play yeah, I can't disagree. And I think sometimes we, um, we do forget about, you know, all of that knowledge and wisdom that has come before us. And, you know, some of it might be noise and some of it might be nonsense. But actually, you know, sometimes I think we overthink things and, and maybe sometimes we just need to keep, keep things simple. You know, eat well, exercise well, sleep well, you know, and, and a lot of the other things will, will fall into place quite nicely. Dr. Glenn Howitson, thank you so much for talking with us on The People's Pharmacy today. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Professor Glenn Howitson. He's a fellow of the American College of Sports Medicine and the British Association of Sport and Exercise Sciences. He's on the editorial board for the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports and the European Journal of Sport Sciences. He spoke to us from his home base in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. You can find a link to his study in the British Journal of Nutrition from our website, peoplespharmacy.com. We spoke earlier with Dr. Malachi McHugh. 
He's been the Director of Research at the Nicholas Institute of Sports Medicine and Athletic Trauma at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City since 1999. Lynn Siegel produced today's show. Al Wodarski engineered. Dave Graydon edits our interviews. The People's Pharmacy theme music is by B.J. Lederman. The People's Pharmacy is produced at the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia, maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements that support both cognitive and cardiovascular health. More information at cocovia.com. Today's show is number 1,298. You can find it online at peoplespharmacy.com. You can subscribe to our podcast through your favorite podcast provider. We post the show on our website on Monday morning. If you look for the show notes, you can post a comment to let us know your thoughts about today's show. The podcast this week has additional information about cherries that would not fit into this broadcast. When you go to peoplespharmacy.com, you could sign up for our free online newsletter. If you want to learn about drug alerts, this is an easy way to stay on top of the breaking health news. In Durham, North Carolina, I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next week. Thank you for listening to the People's Pharmacy Podcast. It's an honor and a pleasure to bring you our award-winning program week in and week out. But producing and distributing this show as a free podcast takes time and costs money. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us continue to produce high-quality, independent healthcare journalism, please consider chipping in. All you have to do is go to peoplespharmacy.com slash donate. Whether it's just one time or a monthly donation, you can be part of the team that makes this show possible. Thank you for your continued loyalty and support. We couldn't make our show without you.